Welcome to What Do You Know About? My name is Ash, and I will be your tour guide through the lesser-known stories of history. You can join us on your favorite podcast app, or come have a conversation on our Instagram at WDKA Podcast. But first, hold on tight, because we're about to go down a historical rabbit hole with today's episode. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello, everybody. How has your week been? We have sort of a half show for you. This isn't quite long enough to make it its own episode on its own, but we've got a few different theories here, and I can imagine that we're going to fill up the other half of the show with just talking about them and trying to figure out which ones make the most sense and stuff. So, uh, yeah, so I... I'm going to talk about the case of that's kind of it's it's got a strange title. It's been titled "Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm." Um, so, Ashley, what do you know about this case? I literally only know what I quickly looked up because I was curious as to because I was like trying to figure out how is it like related to my topic from last week if it was going to be a. So literally, all I know is that it's a case in the '40s of somebody finding somebody in a tree and that's all i know okay and then i was like gonna say or if you looked up spoilers after no. i found this most like crazy story no i did not look up any spoilers other than just like the quick like what is this so that i have a very brief idea to know how it connects to know how to kind of connect it in an opening this is fair we'll give you a pass for this one all right so you are so not ready for this rabbit hole I'm always ready for a rabbit hole. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is this is a weird one. This is a wild one. And this takes twists and turns that I just, every single time, I was like, all right, this is a, this is a decent place to resolve the script. And then something else came up in my research and I had to just keep going. And it, like literally like three or four times, I was like, all right, this is probably the end. Oh, wait, what's this? I just want to double check this fact real quick. Oh no, that leads to this. And it just, it just kept going. So who put Bella in the witch elm is kind of the given name to an unsolved murder that was uncovered in 1943. So I'm going to start with the discovery and then go into the theories because there were some wild and vastly unique theories and we just have no idea what actually happened. Um, So starting with what we do know, with facts, the discovery. So it's 1943, in the thick of World War II. Um, Last episode, we talked about the crazy archaeologist person who did all kinds of things in World War II. Really nicely set the stage for this, honestly. Same time frame. Um, Good. 
I'm like, at least something so, actually set a stage. <laughs> so, but we're not in France, though. We're in England. Anyway, bigger World War II. Four boys are poaching in the woods near Hagley, the large village in Worcestershire. Nope, Worcestershire. I don't know how to say it. I looked it up and I felt so confident and now it's gone. Worcestershire. I think so. We'll say it like that and we'll pretend that's correct. (laughs) So they were looking for bird eggs when they came across a large witch elm tree, which is, you know, great big tree, fanned out arms like it's really easy to climb, great for egg hunting, so they decide to search it. In the hollow of the tree... The boys find something that at first looks like an egg, but when they look closer, they realize it's a skull, maybe some kind of animal. But then they look at it more, you know, like get, as they get closer to it, they realize that the skull still has hair attached to it and the teeth are crooked, but they're human. And so the boys flee the scene. They realize it's a human skull and they get the freak out like they're absolutely terrified um i'm trying to figure out how a human skull looked like an egg to them they just see the top of the skull just yeah like, but like the top, top of the skull like a human skull is trust me it is very they're like teenage different boys, like they're to kids. an egg they're kids they're kids they're kids and they're just out looking for eggs um so they realize it's a human skull they freak out naturally uh lose their minds and they flee the scene But since they've been poaching eggs on private property, they realized they wouldn't be able to tell anyone about their discovery without getting in trouble. And so they decided to keep it their dark secret. One of the boys, however, was just too shaken by the discovery and ended up telling his parents what they were doing and what they had found. Now, poaching eggs wasn't the problem at this time. A lot of kids were doing it. It was World War II. Everyone was hungry. People were finding food where they could get it. But they were on private property. And that's kind of from what I can, like... Find that like the trespassing was what they were more scared of than the idea that they were grabbing eggs. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah. So this boy was too. It was too much. He told his parents he had to get it off of his chest, and they naturally did the responsible thing and reported the finding to the police. Um, I don't think the boys got in trouble. I don't think trespassing was nearly as important as finding a human in a tree. Um, yeah. <laughs> But obviously the police had to rope off the area and investigate the tree themselves. So they went and they did that. So they found the skull. They found the skeleton, the full skeleton attached to it all within the hollow of this tree. Um, and literally like, like literally inside the tree, which like, I can't even wrap my head around like how, how they, yeah, I know. We'll, we'll get into well, I was gonna say, like, the how. How big is this hollow? Like it's a bit like it's, like a big tree, like they had to cut it down to get her out, right? Like she was like, it, it was a, t- it was not a, uh, a wide fit. Like she was like tight in there. Okay. Um, but witch elms have these like big wide trunks, and then at the top, like they're like short and stubby trunks, trunks essentially, right? Um, like it's not much taller than like above your head before the branches start splitting off. Okay. So the hollow was like at the base of where the trunk or where the branches started coming out of it. Um, if you think kind of like a weeping willow, but if the branches all went like up like a normal tree, sort yeah. of, which we can put a picture like in the Instagram of like of the tree. Um, so it's like, it's, it's a decent size around, um, 
it's not the tallest tree in the world. It's pretty easy for like a few kids to climb up, right? So it's like it's not yeah, yeah. short and stubby. Um so yeah, so they find they find the skull that the boys pointed them to. They find her entire skeleton is somehow crammed inside this tree, but her left hand was buried a few feet away. A piece of fabric was stuffed in her mouth. They found her wedding ring and her shoes. Her clothes still hung on her body, all poor quality, cheaper materials, so she likely wasn't a wealthy woman. They knew she had brown hair and those crooked teeth and thought it would be it wouldn't be hard to find out who the woman was because of her the dental. dental print. Yeah. But they never did. They did find out a decent amount about what she looked like. So she was between the ages of 35 to 40-ish. She'd had at least one child, from what they could tell from the physical evidence they got from her body. Yeah. Um she was about five feet tall, and uh, a compl- and they had a complete description of the clothes she would have last been seen in because she was still wearing them. Um, from what the investigators found, she was hidden in the tree very shortly after being murdered, about 18 months before the discovery. So she was probably murdered in October 1941. Um, forensics determined that the cause of death was suffocation from the fabric in her mouth. And they figured that she wouldn't have been able to have been hidden in the tree if rigor mortis had set in, yeah. essentially. So they figured either they killed her and then put her in the tree immediately, or she was not quite dead when they put her in the tree, whoever they is, um, whoever her murderer is, right? Yeah. So this is all the information that they have. That's it. Well, I'm just thinking because so- I'm like, depending on... Depending on how quickly she was, like, between murder and putting put in the tree, it may not even have been the clothes that she, she was last seen in because they could have changed her into something cheap and stuff, right, to make it, like, to kind of, like, to kind of, at this point, better hide her identity if they were like, oh, we really don't want this to be caught. But I am surprised that her wedding ring was still there, that it wasn't... So I'm like, it was a crime of passion, not a burglary. Because if there's a burglary, that ring would be gone. And anything valuable off of The her. ring was the only thing that was remotely valuable. So if that's still there, it's definitely not because they've stolen anything. She at least was wearing, unless she had like a purse or something that was stuffed with cash. Who knows? Yeah. But um, yeah, so good point. Theories. So many theories. And we'll take that into consideration as, as we go through them a little bit. Um, so they've gathered, gathered all the information that they have, right? And now it's it's World War II. Yes. There's a lot of missing people. But they're going to do everything that they can to see if they can figure out if she is someone who's already been reported, right? Um, no one came forward uh, and, or could identify her immediately just based off the description that they have. No one locally came forward. Um, there were so many people missing during World War II. It, like finding an impossible, like, or finding a, a matching description seemed impossible. It was like finding a needle in a haystack. Yeah. So they took that unique uh, tooth pattern and checked it against dental records of every office in the area. No records matched. They so far cannot find a paper trail. They cannot find any connection to who this woman might be. So some started, like, you know, 
people don't have answers, they start theorizing. So some people started theorizing that she was part of a traveling community that had been camped nearby at the time, or perhaps the results of a night of drinking and bad decisions, but nothing could be confirmed. Well, this woman... And there was no... I'm guessing, I mean, I don't know if they would have noticed at that point, but like, if her teeth were kind of mangled and stuff, right? Like, it was there signs of abuse or like physical impact to the jaw that would have moved the teeth and so she's been sitting question. for like 18 months that it would have set to maybe look like it was meant to be like that right i had the same question but like your bones like they don't they don't heal so if she's like there for 18 months you'd still see the fractures and stuff right they had um forensic uh a forensic pathologist this is why i was asking you about forensic anthro- uh forensic anthropology and forensic uh yeah anthropologists and stuff like yeah. that because they had um a forensic pathologist on the scene so uh yeah so the forensic pathologist is specially trained to perform autopsies to determine the presence or absence of disease injury or poisoning yeah. and they didn't mention i didn't find any mention anywhere about her teeth being like that because of an injury so i'm going to assume that that lack of confirmation because they would have mentioned that like we, we've got like a handful of details about her there's no way we wouldn't have mentioned every single thing right yeah. um well and i mean and it also could be like if she was actually quite poor that she just never really went to the dentist because she didn't have the money to go to the dentist. This is a thing. It's the forties. It's she's right. not well off. Like it's not necessary. There's a whole world war going on. Like it's not necessarily like, you know, it's not like everyone's doing braces yet. Like I, well, it still doesn't like take away the option that she was abused before her death. Right. Yeah. That that's just how her teeth yeah. ended up being too. Right. So yeah, that's possible as well. Like, it's, yeah, it's possible that she was in an abusive situation before someone murdered her. That's entirely possible. Um, but there was no, uh, nothing about her jawline being like that because of the murder, yeah. essentially. Like, there's no no confirmed connection, at least. Yeah. Yeah, so people start, like, kind of sort of, like, theorizing about, like, where she may have come from. Um, This woman seemed to just appear into existence in this tree. But she was a person. She had to be, so they kept looking. No new evidence is found, and so people will do what people do, and they start coming coming up with more and more theories. This is where things start to get weird. Okay, so we have all the facts about the situation. We don't really know what they mean yet. Six months after the body was discovered, a message appeared, and it read, Who put Bella down the witch elm? Okay. Written chalk, paint, something like that, vandalized, like, on the side of a building. Then another. Then another. Then another. The wording changes slightly, but they all ask the same question, Who put Bella in the witch elm? Interesting. At least, Yeah. <laughs> Police aren't sure what to make of it. If it's a taunting killer or an anxious lover or loved one who can't speak out but wants them to solve the case, the first few messages seem to be written in the same penmanship, like the same hand, but the rest are presumed to be copycats. Well, um, they- how, like, in, like, the local papers and stuff, like, how public was their search for somebody, right? 
it was the, pretty wild. It like it was pretty well known. It, it wasn't like so like the very first one could just be somebody who wanted to gain attention and didn't have it's, anything better to do, and they're like, let's just make this up, like make this name up, and it's possible. Um, I wonder. I don't know that it has that it was written by someone who had a personal connection to the woman in the tree. Um, but I do know that the story blew up a lot more after these messages came out. So okay. it's entirely possible it could have been some increase in public awareness. We don't know. Yeah. No one ever came forward or like took um, responsibility for the first few writings. No one ever claimed those. So no idea. <laughs> yeah. So they continue to appear year after year and sometimes they go away for a while and sometimes they come back um often uh they said that um when something new came out about bella whether it was someone was well people started calling her bella because of the messages i should yeah. clarify that as well um when something new a book an interview something came out about bella people would like it would kind of start up again um like the copycats would kind of see the attention and start adding messages in the area, right? So the most recent appearance documented of this seems to be in 1999. So this continued on for 50 plus years after yeah. the death because because of the copycats, essentially. So, but this was also the first name that was given to the woman, but they're never able to actually connect it. Like they weren't, they weren't able to find like compelling enough evidence. By 1945, the messages, the witch elm, the way she died, the detail that her left hand had been buried 13 paces from the rest of the skeleton, which was apparently a custom that used to be used when witches were executed, led locals to believe that this was connected to witchcraft or Satanism. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit of a, a stretch. I, I, I think um, there was another killing in 1945 uh, that was also apparently connected to Satanism, which kind of cemented this idea in their minds as well. Kind of the thought process: well, that guy over there was, you know, murdered as a part of a satanic ritual, so maybe Bella was as well, right? So then we start seeing theories that, well. Maybe she was a witch killed in a ritual, either to be rid of witches or as a sacrifice herself. Um, maybe it was a ritual gone wrong, or maybe it was someone who knew that she was a witch, um, kind of getting rid of her. So detectives on the case dismiss the witchcraft theory and focus their attention on the theory that the victim was a sex worker with little to no evidence about who this woman was or what she was about. So, which doesn't feel much better no. given the way sex workers were treated at the time. Well, and especially with the fact that she did have her wedding ring still, so we know that she was married. She was wearing it. Why what kind you... of sex worker wears their wedding ring? Well, and then, like, why wouldn't you go, ser like, looking through marriage records and stuff, right, and be like, who's missing their wife? <laughs> They did, like, they did go searching through, um, like, missing persons reports. They started, like, they were digging through paperwork. They did, I'm sure, looked at marriage records. Um, yeah, but, like, they just the husband's not going, if, like, the husband's actually not going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm missing my wife, if he's the one who maybe possibly killed her, too. 
but a like possibility going, I mean, like okay like hey have you seen your like going like Hey, have you seen your wife lately? Hey, have you seen your wife lately? I mean, Especially if you can find someone who's close it, enough to the physical description. If we look at it statistically, it was probably her husband. I hate to say it. Well, yeah, like that is like I'm thinking like it's her husband who's like, oh, you're a witch because I don't like you, and but thinking of witch with the B instead of the W. <laughs> You know what's hilarious is that of all the theories that I found online, the simple her husband killed her and tried to get rid of her never showed up once. Well, no, because that's not as much of a good story. Right? Oh, man. If that's too much of a reality, then... You know what? You probably solved it. That's probably it. We just got to figure out who the husband is. He's probably dead at this point anyway. This was He was an adult in the 40s, so... Yeah. But... <laughs> all right. Um... Yes, but there were a number of theories floating around. So there was a theory that she was a witch, uh, that she was a victim of witches or witchcraft. Um, the police were working with the theory that perhaps she was a sex worker. Other suggestions had more to do with Nazis than witchcraft. This is England. Oh, yes, the Nazis are going to kill one one random woman and stuff her up a friggin' witch elm. So the first theory is that she was not a random woman, but... Clara Borel, Borel, I think Borel, it's B-A-U-E-R-L-E, it's a German actress. Okay. I don't know, I don't speak German, I have no idea how to pronounce this, I have no idea what the rules are. Um, Clara Borel, let's go with Borel, Borel feels right. Clara Borel was a German actress, a cabaret singer, and a lover to Gestapo agent Josef Jacobs. Joseph Jacobs, if you want to say it with an English accent. So, two years of her career had her performing in the West Midlands musicals, and so she's she already had the local accent mastered, according to the theory. Apparently, she was recruited by the Gestapo, and she and Joseph were given orders to create a spy cell in Hagley, in that, that large village. Only... Joseph was captured by the Home Guard in 1941. This is true. This is confirmed. Um, as soon as he landed in Cambridgeshire after parachuting down and told his interrogators about Clara, his lover, who was going to follow him to England, including giving them her name and picture. So just under the bus immediately. Just. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not so, surprised she's a Nazi. Well. <laughs> Fair like, if I'm going down, you're coming me. down with me, like... Um, bad at being a spy, apparently. Uh, so, his confession, more or less, ended there, as did his life. He was executed by firing squad in August 1941 as the last person to be executed in the Tower of London. Which, side note, interesting. Maybe that's my fun fact. Um, so... But his execution was not a well-kept secret. The public found out about it. Yes, the public found out about it, which means that his potential lover would have found out about it too. And who knows like what the ripple effect. The theory was that um, when the other people that were associated with the spy cell found out, then they saw Clara as a liability, killed her and stuffed her in a tree. The theory states that there are no records of her performing or... um, like creating any like new music or doing anything after 1951 that she seems to have disappeared uh the well, only I mean, problem yeah, is like if you're working if you're now known to be working with a nazi you're gonna fucking disappear yes so fun fact um 
this entire theory is probably just completely uh, made up and is based on the fact that there's more than one Clara in this story and they have the wrong Clara. So, <laughs> so there's this whole theory out there. It's circulating. People like took it seriously because like, what a grand tale is that? The German actress who's in love with the spy gets sent off and she gets murdered for mingling with the Nazis. Dramatic tale. From what I found, complete bullshit, and I have the receipts. So, <laughs> so the problem is that there's more than one Clara in this story, and German actress Clara Burl uh, probably had nothing to do with the witch elm whatsoever, since she died in a German hospital in 1942 due to a lung infection caused by an overdose of Veronal, a popular sleeping aid with hypnotic properties. Her death certificate is obviously in German, but it's public information. Yeah. So, how did this mix-up happen? A lack of lazy journalism, perhaps. A lack of caring to check your facts, perhaps. And also a mix of there being two Claras with the same last name. But one is with the C and one is with the K. So, <laughs> okay. this doesn't get less confusing. <laughs> so, after... So, this kind of like leads into theory two about the spy thing. So, after, over a decade after Bella, quote Bella, was found in the tree in 1953, a woman contacted a local newspaper and told them and later the police that she had information that the woman in the witch tree uh, was a Dutch woman who had snuck into England and was killed by a German spy ring, which included a Dutch man and a music hall performer, among others. Sometimes the music hall performer was called a trapeze artist. Um, sometimes a musical performer depending on the source so over a decade after that in 1968 and we'll come back to that newspaper but over a decade after that in 1968 author donald mccormick wrote a book called murder by witchcraft in which he alleged that quote bella was named clara bella under the code name clara as a nazi spy who had parachuted into the area in 1941 but never made contact after landing he alleged i would love to know what his sources were but he alleged that she was a woman named clara bella dronkers a dutch woman living in birmingham who matched the physical description of the woman there was a dutch man named johannes marinus dronkers um who was executed as a spy by the british in 1942 this is confirmed so this connection seems possible at least given that context we're going to go into more of this and piece apart why it's not but um yeah so that theory kind of ran as you know a possible like a, a genuine possible theory okay so most recently i have mm -hmm. a question here though yes this was like this tree is on private property it was yeah what kind of like private property was this tree on like was it somewhat fairly like in within somewhat of a view of a house because then who no. owns this private property that wouldn't you freaking notice if a spy ring is stuffing a woman up a tree <laughs> on your land <laughs> <laughs> unless uh, this person was also apparently part of the spy ring <laughs> so like and is the person I, who runs the private property is their wife missing maybe Yes, yeah, no, I'm kidding. Um, so it's inside, the Hagley Woods were located inside a Hagley estate, which... But once again, you, you notice a pot, like... So here's the thing. 
a Nazi spy ring on your property. It's a giant forest. Like, it's not like a giant, giant forest, but it's a decent sized forest, though. Like, when you have that many acres of land, it's not like you can keep tabs on every corner at every time. Like, if they just dumped a body there. Who's climbing up the tree to check for bodies? I like I I wouldn't if I was a landowner. I'm going to be like, well you know. now I am going to be checking my trees. Well for now bodies. I am, but like, <laughs> like, who thinks of that? Like, yeah. So yeah. So it's Hagley Estates. I don't know who owned it at the time. Oh yeah. Sorry. Here we go. One of the one of those verses says um, it belonged to Lord Cobham. Well, that's a name and yeah. a half. <laughs> uh, I know nothing further than that about the ownership of the woods. Literally, that never came up it, who owned the woods. I did think about it. Like, I wonder if the owner of the property had any clue about it. But from he's not, from what I can find, he's not ever listed as a suspect. So, well, here's my is that theory. because he's wealthy and she's poor? I don't know. I'm not claiming anything. I'm just, I'm just the, I'm just the messenger. <laughs> well, here's my theory then. Yes, she worked for him, <laughs> and they were having uh-huh. an affair. Somebody was going to find mm-hmm. out, so then they just killed her and put her and stuffed her during the tree on the property, and going, who's going to come look at my private friggin' forest looking at a tree? It's unprotected land. No one is going to come find her here. She's hidden forever. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, right, Simba, is that your theory too? We have Simba's stamp of approval. Yep. <laughs> she agrees. All right. The butler did it. So, so <laughs> the butler did it. As it as, her husband is the butler. She is the maid. She's having an affair with the, with, mm. with the landowner. So the butler know. is also the husband, which means the husband and the butler did it. I I don't know. It's always it, the husband. I don't know if the butlers and the maids were really supposed to um, be married. I think you were. I think I think you're supposed to be it's, married outside of the household. But the butler maybe be the you get who you get. <laughs> but maybe it's the butler that did that did the crime for the lord on his behalf. Yeah. Don't worry about it. So there's, so there's three men and one woman <laughs> in this oh story now. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So theory number two, right? So we, so there's uh, the, the woman contacts the newspaper in 1953. Uh, in 1968, an author kind of takes this information and puts it all together into the story about Clara Bella, the Nazi spy. Um and then most recently, in 2013, the independent newspaper from Birmingham, which is right nearby yep. where Pegley Wood is, right, um, uh, wrote an article about Bella suggesting that Clara Burrell, the actress, was the same person as Clara with a K, Sophie Burrell, a spy named in the home office records and that the English officers had misheard Clara Burl as Clara Bella when they asked her name, making Clara Burl Clara Bella or Bella. So they took two people, two different people with a similar name were like, this is the same person. And like, 
made this weird connection about like, well, maybe the English people just misheard it and her name is Clarabella, which ties it back into the book, who said that it was a Nazi spy whose name was Clarabella, whose codename was Clara. Um, and then, okay, so, and then they point, as evidence, they pointed back to the music hall performer uh, who was mentioned uh, in the 1953 account and said that that must have been Clara Burrell, um, kind of disregarding the detail that the informant had said that Bella had been killed in the spy ring, not that she was a spy in the ring. Um, and then they also uh, claimed that there were no records of any performances of, uh, of her of any kind after 1941, which they used to further establish the connection. But that's just not true, as we already established, because um, Clara Burrell continued reporting music until 1942, not long before she passed away. Uh, they also disregarded the detail that Clara Burrell was known to be tall and the woman in the tree was only five feet tall. Um, so this identity does not fit the woman in the tree. So it's like just this like, so a newspaper mentioned aspiring and then a book took the information from the newspaper and turned it into Clara Bella, the Nazi spy. And then the 2013 office, like, like newspaper article was like okay clara bella is actually clara burl and these three oh, separate God. people are all actually the same person i solved it guys the end yeah sounds about right it's wild and the clara the two clara burls like the clara burl with a k was a spy did exist is connected to jacob joseph in that they knew each other it's it gets so confusing so fast when it gets into their relationship but he also had like a signed um like the photograph that he gave the english uh interrogators what had a message written to him saying i can't remember exactly what it said but it was something along the lines of i love you i'll see you soon um and it was a postcard of the german actress clara burl and so he was telling them that she was going to come see him in england he wasn't saying that she was a spy. He was saying that she was his lover. But he did know a Clara Burrell who was a spy. I think. Great. That's right? not confusing at all. <laughs> like the right? poor English people trying to decipher all of this too. Two Clara Burrells. There's a completely unrelated Clara Bella Dronkers who, who was like connected to other Mr. Drunkers who was a spy. I just, it, it's all just a mess. It's just a mess. Like, so I've, I've got one more theory that kind of splits into two theories. So we're going to go back and we're going to um, kind of explain the 1953 newspaper, because this is where I think we start to see a much more plausible theory, but we have to kind of shift through a little bit more where did this confusion come from stuff first. So Okay. I was thinking I was hoping you were gonna be like, we're gonna go back to the butler and <laughs> so you were right back to the, the butler, butler that you did had. and we've solved the case. No. Oh. We don't get to claim that quite yet. Um <laughs> so this information required the rabbit hole to even find it. My initial searches showed nothing about any of this. And it wasn't until I'd gone down the rabbit hole a little ways before I even started to see this part and go, oh, this makes a little more sense. So this is the piece that will hopefully make it all make sense now. It's a little bit more confusion. We're almost there. We're like halfway through. So... I told you about the woman who contacted the local paper in 1953. Well, she went by the pen name Anna to protect her relative's identity. She had kids and a new husband, 
and she was trying to keep him safe. So this is totally fair. So she goes by Anna. Um, so she wrote to the paper initially because a columnist was writing opinion pieces detailing theories about what had happened to Bella, and none of them seemed to be based on fact. He was kind of revisiting that maybe she was a witch stuff and just kind of, he was clickbaiting. He was clickbaiting for views in 1953. Like, okay. it's, that's what it was. <laughs> so he's, this man speaks and writes like he's the equivalent of 1953's Bud, BuzzFeed, gotcha. like, essentially. So she wrote in simply saying that the columnist had no idea what happened, that she did, and she knew it didn't involve, quote, witches, black magic, or moonlight rituals. She said only that, quote, the person responsible for the crime died insane in 1942, and the victim was Dutch and arrived illegally in England about 1941. I have no wish to recall anymore. Okay, so so did we check the asylum records? Like... But the only thing that we find there, we don't have, have anything that connects the person in the asylum to the murder yet. We'll get there. So, so you can check asylum records all day, but unless someone's like, yeah, I killed a woman and stuffed her in a tree, like, you're not going to find anything just by checking asylum records, Well, right? I mean, that could be how they got into the asylum as insane, is that they're telling people that they killed a woman and stuffed her in a tree. You're so close. You're so close. So it took a bit of convincing, but Anna was convinced to meet with the columnist as well as the police to give the whole story. Anna, when Anna agreed to the meeting, she asked that it not be made public to the media. We're going to talk a little bit about privacy in a little bit here. Um, so it was off of the course, record meeting. Got it. Yeah. So because she was giving her statement to the police and the columnist was invited to be there, I guess, but she didn't want him giving any details to the public. Yeah. Right. But, of course, the columnist completely ignored that and wrote an article about it after another interviewer said that the woman in the tree had been identified. So he basically took that as, all right, that's my green light. That's my stamp of approval. I get to say whatever I want about whoever I want now, which is not what Anna asked for, because they also didn't release the information about who the woman in the tree was. So, yeah, like nothing new had actually been revealed. He was like, someone else is talking about it, so I can too. And that's all he said. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah this part makes me mad because I'm like, this woman trusted you, you absolute jerk. Like, I, um, there's also the other problem that the account that the columnist gives to the public is literally impossible. Like, there's so much of this that he, like, blew out of proportion and elaborated. Like, it's exaggerated it's just so annoying so the first thing that in in his article because he wrote an article basically detailing the experience of meeting with this woman and what she told them in his own words right yeah so the very first thing that he gets wrong about this story is saying that the woman's body was found by three young boys when we know what it was for so right off the bat like a really simple fact that would have been really easy to like check yourself on immediately gets it wrong and it's like okay great start let's see how the rest of this goes so then he goes on to describe how they met anna uh which we have no way confirming of like how that actually went but then he begins his retelling of anna's story which she had said she didn't want to make public at that time which is um so he said that 
First of all, Bella had died in April of 1943, which is incorrect. She was found in April 1943, but she had died probably in October of 1941. Yeah. So another really easy fact to self-correct on, and he didn't, which just shows kind of like the level of effort he put into making it accurate. Absolute um, zero. Absolutely no. Like... <laughs> So he said that a friend of Anna's had come to her that night saying that something terrible had happened. The friend had apparently said that he had been drinking, maybe? He was out with some friends. A Dutch man and a male trapeze artist who was later labeled as the, quote, music hall performer that was pointed to in the Clara Burrell theory. So the initial source that even mentions a performer says that he's a male trapeze artist. So I don't know how that switch happened, but... So a British officer, her friend was a British officer. So a British officer, a Dutchman, and a trapeze artist make up our party at this point, right? So these are the three that we're focusing on, trying to center it back in for clarity. So the officer, Anna's friend, uh, was driving the car, and Bella was sitting in between the two men in the back of the car, Bella being the Dutch woman. Um, so suddenly, for no discernible reason... Bella collapsed, and when the officer stopped the car concerned, the men just told him to keep driving. Eventually, they had directed him into Hagley Wood and told him to stop the car. The two men and uh, had the officer help them hide Bella in the witch elm. Her body was tightly fit into the witch elm, and investigators said that she would have had to have been put there, uh, put in feet first from the top of the tree in order to be in the position that she was in which would probably require more than one person, maybe. But they also said it would have been impossible to do after rigor mortis had set in, and the columnist described driving for quite some time before hiding Bella in the tree. So either they had pronounced her dead before she actually was, or the story is a lie or incorrect, or but something about it sent that up. Yeah. So... Anyway, Anna said that the officer, her friend, was terrified and returned the following night to make sure the body was really there and it hadn't been a hallucination. The officer told her that he thought the two men were German spies and asked him and had asked him for information about where various factories that manufactured aircraft engines and parts were located. And Anna claimed, according to the columnist, that he did come home with large sums of money that he couldn't explain. Um, he also claimed one of the factories they asked about ended up being heavily bombed. Uh, the officer told Anna he thought that Bella, or Lou Bella, as she had apparently been named, had entered England illegally in 1941, quote, after Dunkirk, and that she was a spy, one who apparently became somehow a threat to the two men. The officer alleged that the two men murdered her because of this. Anna said the event caused the officer to have a nervous breakdown and he was admitted to a mental home where he, where he passed away. The superintendent of the case, Detective T. Williams, had said that he couldn't make any comments about the case. And this is like not the columnist saying this. This is a fact now. The superintendent, De Detective T. Williams, had said that he couldn't make any comments about the case as it was still an open case. But the pathologist on the case said that the, the detective was able to identify her. While both statements were actually made, it's unclear whether or not the state, second statement, like that we know her identity, was actually correct. So that being said, we have Anna's signed statement, and it doesn't exactly line up with, the, with what the columnist claimed. 
it appears he took some creative liberties to sell the story. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. Yeah. So I did just quickly look it up because I was like trying to remember with how quickly rigor mortis does set in. So depending mm-hmm. on how long they actually did, were driving for, mm-hmm. um, rigor mortis appears about two hours after death, and it starts in your face, and it then works it, and then it works. It, it works. It starts in your in the muscles in your face, and then works its way through your body um gotcha. completing between six to eight hours after death then stays for another 12 hours until 24 hours after death in which then it starts to disappear okay Is so the car ride that if he so if they so depending on what his ver like what the version of for a long while was they still could have stuffed her in the tree they had about two to three hours before like if they're doing it from feet first down they would have mm-hmm. had about two to three hours before so, really starting like, to get any difficulty with like the upper part of their body. body. Yeah. That makes sense. Geography breaks my brain and geography in a country I've never been to breaks it even more. So <laughs> I tried to follow the instructions on uh, like one of the sources had like a map of like where like a very loose kind of sketch sort of map, not like a very clear like Google Maps roadmap sort of map about like kind of where things were so i have like no concept of like space or time between like getting between these places but the driver described going from i can't even remember which cities because he meant he name dropped a bunch of different local areas that i'm not entirely sure where they all line up but he described driving for a while stopping driving for a while stopping driving for a while stopping in kind of like a sort of zigzaggy sort of route like it wasn't like straight line from here to here like it it definitely got across that it was a longer trip that they kept stopping um that he tried to stop a couple of times to ask for help and the men just told him to keep driving um i don't i like i can't say exactly how long this trip may have taken but it didn't sound like it was a short trip that being said i also live in canada where a short drive is a half an hour so i don't know what standard for england where you can drive across the entire country in a day i'm not used to like yeah no you exactly. know so, so like so like maybe but yeah. the source that i was reading that was like describing the columnist tale of events and everything kind of also seem to have come to the conclusion that the drive that he is describing is like 
longer than a patho like than the pathologist had said that it, they sh it was yeah longer than the time window that the pathologist kind of made it sound like they had yeah so yeah but it's it's like yeah but we know that he took creative liberties though because yeah, exactly. like i said we have anna's signed written testimony so here is what anna who was later identified as una hansworth and i am going to say this now because she was an adult in 53 so she's probably not around anymore um but here's what she had signed as her written statement. And um, I'm also going to say her name because she has her like legal name as her signature on that statement. So if you want to go look at it for it yourself, that will help you find it. Um, so I'm just going to read it from her own words. So she has her name listed on the document as Una Ella Hainsworth. She has her address written on the document. And you can see for yourself, that's not going to help you find it. So I'm not going to. Yeah. So. Her statement is as follows. I was married to Jack Mossop in 1932, and we went to live at the Bridge House, Womburn. At that time, he was studying to be a surveyor. The only child of our marriage was born in 1932, and he was christened Julian, and at the present time, he is somewhere in America. Okay. <laughs> Which I'm, yeah, sure. Um, my husband joined the AST in 1937 as a pilot officer and was stationed at Hamble near Southampton. In 1938, he commenced work for the Armstrong Sidley Works Coventry, and subsequently he went to work at the Standard Aero Works at Coventry on Banner Lane. It was in 1940 that a man named, quote, Van Raltz came to our house. Number 39 Barrow Road, uh, Kenilworth. I believe this man was Dutch, and as far as I know, he had no particular job, but I ha uh, have a suspicion that he was engaged on some work that he did not wish to talk about. But in my opinion, it might have been that he was a spy, for he had plenty of money, and there were times that my husband appeared to have plenty of money after meeting him. Interesting. So this is, so this is where the spy theory comes. It's from a woman's guess at the perhaps nefarious underworkings of a man that she doesn't know really the situation of. Well, That's and like that might all be all of like, the spy theories came from. That would be like the fear of most people at this time is this random person from a different country. Mm -hmm. Especially Holland or Germany at the yeah. point where Holland has been taken over by Germany. That they would be a spy because they have lots of money and we don't know them and they just randomly showed up. And he doesn't seem to have a job. But my husband seems to have random amounts of money. Maybe they're just drug dealers. Who knows? <laughs> He's a pimp. Um, <laughs> we have no way of knowing anything about that. So, <laughs> so she continues. It was either in March or April 1941 that my husband came home and was noticeably white and agitated. This was at about 1 a.m. in the morning, and he asked me for a drink. I made a comment that I thought he had had enough, as he had been out all day, but I gave him a drink. He then said he had been to the Littleton Arms with Van Routt and the, quote, Dutch Peace. 
that she had got uh, and that she had got awkward. So her husband was with this Dutch man who was with his Dutch like side piece side piece. Okay. And they got her drunk. Okay. Oh, they had got awkward. That's that's what I'm presuming that means is that they got her very drunk. So my husband was driving the car, which belonged to Van Ralt. She got in beside him. Van Ralt was in the back. And then she fell over towards my husband. And he said to Van Ralt that she had passed out. Van Ralt told him where to drive to. And they went to a wood and stuck her in a hollow tree. Von Ralt said that she would come to her senses the following morning. And as far as I know, my husband came home. He came home in Von Ralt's car, which was a rover. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Who is stupid enough to believe that after sticking somebody in a tree, that she was going to come to and just magically get herself out of this tree? So here's the other thing. Maybe I'll finish reading this first and then we'll get into theories about this. But there's details that I mentioned at the beginning about how they found her body that don't make sense with the story. But we'll circle back to that. So she continues her story. She says, I lived at uh, Kenilworth until December 1941. And between April and December, my husband appeared very jumpy. And it was noticeable that he had more drink than usual and appeared to have more money to spend. Hush money? I don't know. Uh, he was nearly always away from work, and this led to my suspicion that in some way he was obtaining money and may have been meeting Von Ralt. I should mention that my husband had an old standard car of his own, and he used to go off for days on end, and I did not know where he was. When I left my husband in December 1941, I went to Henley and Arden. We lived there for 10 years. We lived at another's house. Truly near Henley in Arden, and we finally returned in 1951 to Kenilworth and came to our present address in August 1953. I saw my first husband, Jack Mossop, at Kenilworth on three occasions after I was forced to leave him in December 1941 and tried to get my possessions, including furniture from the house, and on one of these occasions, it would be the last time I saw him, he told me what I thought at first was a further story to put me off and it was as follows that he thought he was losing his mind as he kept seeing the woman in the tree and she was leering at him so he's basically saying he's being haunted by the woman in the tree yes or at the very least he's having hallucinations and nightmares about it because he's so disturbed by what he did okay just to come at it from the non you know supernatural side She says, he held his head in his hands and said, it is getting on my nerves. I'm going crazy. It was about June 1942 when I heard that he had been taken to the mental hospital at Stafford, where he died in August of 1942. I was not informed of his death at the time, and I did not attend the funeral because of this. The first I knew was when my present husband told me that an application had been made at the works claiming money that was due to him and sending a doctor's certificate. And nobody from the mental hospital thought, hey, maybe we should have the police just follow up on this just in case. If he, it's a very, like... As far as they know, he's just a man who's lost his mind. For all they know, he's just succumbed to the illness or 
you know, whatever the thing was at the time. I she still would be like, hey, Satan look. Whatever the topic was. Quickly just send somebody, run out, check the tree, make sure, and then we know for sure if he's bonkers well, or if there's something we need to know about. <laughs> yeah, no. No, 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 like, no. If I, went, so he, if I went to a mental hospital <laughs> saying that my... He died before that, the body that, was found. Yes, I know, but I'm just saying, if I went to a mental hospital saying mm-hmm. that my husband, who I, or like, like for example, my husband who I had murdered is haunt is now basically <laughs> showing up and stuff, right? But I am pretty no sure one, that they would have sent somebody to go check on my fucking thing to go check right. on this. But that's not what he said. He said the woman in the tree was leering at him. Now, when you think of a woman in the tree, do you think of a woman who is dead and hidden in the stump, like the hollowed stump of a tree? Or do you think a woman who is climbing in a tree or peering through a tree? Depends because on I think a woman who actually like, told somebody. Like, if he ended up actually telling somebody what, like, more of the story. But I don't think he did. And if he did, I think they would have thought that he was so far past delusion at that point that it was just in his head and that it hadn't actually happened. Like I still would have just uh, checked in on it, like being like, just send some, one person, just go check in where this guy says he's stuffed a woman. Let's. <laughs> I don't know that he thought that specific though. Is my thing and what like where do you draw the line between the ramblings of someone who is self-proclaimed insane and reality? I would still check it out to ensure if there are just f- ramblings or if there's actually truth to this. And now they've great gone due diligence that these people clearly did not do. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. Dude. I have no idea. I, like, I don't think Anna even had any idea of like how the intake process happened. Like she didn't know that he was there until after he was already in like yeah, I don't know, man. Um, so she continues just a little more. She says, I had no knowledge of what, uh, I had no knowledge whatever of the Hagley murder until an article appeared in the Express and Star newspaper. So those were newspapers that were reporting on the case. Um, Neither have I read anything before, which could in any way be connected with the incident I have told you about. I have not discussed the matter with anyone. And it was not until I was reading the details and bearing in mind the possible date when the woman met her death that I in any way connected this with my husband's statement to me in March or April 1941. And because of the articles referring to witchcraft, etc., I decided in the first place to write a letter and sign it Anna. I put the sufficient clues in the letter which should have helped to identify me uh, which should have helped to, to have identified me and it was only because of a subsequent appeal in the newspaper as I felt I ought to say what I know of this matter that I decided to arrange to meet with you. I cannot add anything further and because I am now married again with three small children I hope that what I have said to you will only be used to aid the course of justice and it is this which has prompted me to take the action I have. I was not treated too well by my husband and do not wish in any way to rake up the past. But if what I have told you will help you in this matter, then the foregoing statement has been made by me voluntarily and with that end in view. I, of course, have no proof that what I have told you now is the truth, but bearing in mind my husband's condition and what he said to me at the time, I have done my best to recall it to help in the inquiry. Signed, Una Hainsworth. Okay. (laughs) So, 
So here's what I get out of this, right? So this this story most closely lines up with the facts than the rest. There's at least not any glaring major plot holes that have been obviously disproven, right? And somehow this has become the one that was most twisted to fit other theories. Her being a spy instead of just a woman, right? That just the wrong guy was interested in. The quote Dutch piece in question has no name. There is no mention of any performer. It's just two drunken men and the woman they got blackout drunk and a stupid, stupid choice. I will say there are two things that I have a gripe with about this story. First of all, when did Bella lose her hand? Yeah. Because her hand was buried 13 feet away. And in this version of the story, the men just thought that she was blackout drunk and thought that she would wake up in a tree. Oh, ha ha. What a funny joke. So when would she have lost her hand? I mean, yeah, because I'm like, I'm trying to think, but an animal, it wouldn't have been like an animal got a hold of it and then dug it and, right, like, and like, it just got kind of like buried over time, like over time kind of a thing, like from like animals moving it, because then others of her bones would have been moved. This is an interesting thing, because we have two different versions of what happened with her hand. One says that her hand was scattered in bones across within that area, and one says that it was buried 13 paces away and that's used as a premise for the witchcraft the witchcraft theory came first so i'm kind of inclined to believe that it was buried because of the order of events um and that the scattering of the bones kind of came out of the witchcraft witchcraft theory as one of those pieces of evidence that was twisted to fit the theory yeah because the scattering of the bones thing people thought could be ritualistic yeah but i'm like if if it was animal scavenging Depending on where her hand was, like, and how an animal could get to the hand. Unfortunately, of all the sketches and theories that I do have, what I don't have is a theoretical sketch about how she was positioned in the tree. Yeah. So I don't know if her hand should have been inside or outside of the tree trunk if an animal could have gotten to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it does it does raise the question of was it that her bones were scattered and that it was an animal, or was it buried and the story doesn't quite add up? But then, if her ring, if her wedding ring was on her body, they found her wedding ring where her hand was. Oh, where her hand was. Okay, was then it scattered or was it buried on the hand? Yeah, but it was her left hand, and they found the wedding ring, and they knew it was a wedding ring because it was attached to the left hand. Yeah. So, whether that's because they found it on the right finger bone on the left hand yeah. i don't know i think if animals ravaged it the ring would have been removed and it just would have been a ring the fact that they listed it in evidence as a wedding ring yeah unless though just at that time they would have they, they might have just like assumptions Assume. were more likely to be put down as fact that's true because she's also wearing poor quality clothing it's a poor quality ring if you're gonna wear a ring and you're not wealthy enough to own rings then maybe it's because it is a wedding ring because why else would you have a ring i don't know but yeah and if it's and even if it's found with thought. her left hand right yeah so it's it could be an easy assumption to make yeah so that's fair so yeah so the story doesn't mention anything about the hand it doesn't mention them obviously like cutting it off and burying it or anything dark so we still don't have answers about that the other thing that the story doesn't mention that it, i think it should have um it doesn't mention how the fabric ended up in her mouth yeah did they put fabric in her mouth before they stuffed the blackout drunk woman in the tree and thought that she would survive or yeah. like 
right? Like, when did that happen? Well, and, like, the fact that they're saying that it, that she died of suffocation. Because with, of the fabric in because her of mouth. The, because of the gag. Like, her mm-hmm. hands had to have been somehow unable, like, to get to her mouth kind of a thing, right? Which is why I'm, that's why I'm kind of questioning as to if it could have been animal scavenging, because if it was mm-hmm. tight enough that in that tree or whatever, right? Unless, like, she had, unless, like, one hand was, like, up, like, reaching up and over, but then if somebody who owned that property was just wandering the property, you would have seen a hand theory, reaching out of a tree. In theory? In theory. It would be quite oblivious if they don't know what to look for. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if you were walking through your own forest, <laughs> or riding your horse through your own forest, and you just saw, and and you would notice a hand sticking out of a tree. Okay, but see, here's my thing. If I was walking through my own forest and I saw a human hand sticking out of a tree, I would turn tail and I would run the frick out of there. I would not be sticking around. But you to would investigate call somebody it. to go I in and not... investigate it. <laughs> I am not the person in the horror movie but to go investigate the clearly dangerous thing. <laughs> but you would have called somebody to investigate it. True. You would have left it for two years. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's a fair point. A year and a half, 18 months, so. Yeah, but, like, still, like. <laughs> That's a fair point. So, yeah, so, like, so it doesn't I'm mention not... the hand, it doesn't mention the fabric, which means it doesn't actually mention the cause of death and, like, it's like a pretty intentional cause of death. How do you accidentally like the fabric um, was the same material as fabric from like uh, the I don't know what it's called, but like the skirt under your skirt to like yeah. poof it out. Yeah, it was like the same kind of material as that. So I believe from what I could tell from the descriptions that I found that it was like a piece of that fabric that was pushed like shoved in her mouth. Right. And so it's like this kind of silky ish sort of material from what I found, which is not particularly breathable. So it's like, okay, in what situation do you, like, spontaneously have to shove a piece of fabric in a woman's mouth? Yeah. Well, to keep her quiet. shoving her drunk body in a tree. Like, to keep her quiet, right? Like, and then, oops, we kept her too quiet. She suffocated and died. Like, what, what were they, what was this woman going through that that's how she ended up dead? I don't know that the story explains that but him being responsible for Bella in the tree certainly explains to Anna the story about her husband yeah so I'm not questioning that Anna's story happened I just don't know how exactly it pieces together yeah like it's not as accidental as they're making it seem to be yeah right like in my experience, blackout drunk people are very, very bad at telling lies or, you know, keeping things hidden when they want to say it. But I, I just, I, I think either her husband was lying to her and he did so much more than he said. And that's what drove him insane. Or, or like, I don't know how else to explain this story. Yeah. No, I agree, like... But even with these two details, this is still the story that somehow fits the most. So I kind of think it might be the closest thing that we have to an answer. Other than the butler. 
other than the butler clearly the butler did it you're right you know what actually that's probably what happened is that okay new theory so anna's story is correct these two guys got shit-faced and um dumped, like they're like oh she's blackout drunk we'll put her in the tree and she'll wake up her husband was secretly following her the whole time following her because he knew that she was having an affair and so followed her watched them put her in the tree and then he put the fabric in her mouth because he was angry at her and then that's how she died was because the fabric was in her mouth and she was in the tree and then the animals came and that's that's the running theory now this this husband that may or may not exist yeah <laughs> exactly no well, in fact it we solved it let's call up worcestershire county and tell them that we've cracked the case <laughs> and i'm thinking like if it's a dutch side piece she probably mm-hmm. would have been in a bit better clothing if the if like this spy knew her and was already like having an affair and, with her that he would have bought right. her nicer clothing for when they go out together if he has a really right. nice car that i'm like the poor clothing does not add up no i think that my my guess is that either they weren't together very long or um they they like met at the bar yeah because they they don't describe her as a side piece we use the word side piece that's modern modern slang right they described her as the dutch piece so i think that they met her at the bar and then took her along for this adventure and the two of them were gonna hook up i don't know if they ever did or if anything non-consensual happened or anything like that there's yeah at that point they didn't have 40s no one has a rape kit yet like you know we have no idea we honestly don't have proof that von ralt exists yeah it's entirely possible that he was working under a fake name or that was a nickname or it was you know like not his actual like legal name like we don't we don't have enough evidence about Ronald and who he was um or the guy was already insane at that point and this is one of the theories that i had when i read the columnist version of events i kind of looked at it and thought that it read to me like a man who had already lost his mind especially because the columnist said that the event happened in 1943. If we, if the columnist had told the story the way Anna told the story, and that is what Anna had said, I would have read that as a man who was already losing his mind, who saw the story about a woman found in a tree in the newspaper, had this whole hallucination about what happened, went to the tree to see if it really was a hallucination before they got her out of the tree, saw the real thing, which confirms the hallucination, which, like, you know, the hallucination that he had confirms it as fact, even though it isn't, and then he goes down this spiral of insanity, right? That's kind of how that story reads to me otherwise. But with Anna's depiction of the story, it's, like, clear that he had his mind when the event happened. He was just drunk. Yeah. But that was, like, a whole third theory that I almost cooked up. And then I was like, oh, wait, this source also has her actual, like, signed statement. So, like, maybe we'll look at that first. Or it was something satanic and witchcraft, and the husband just didn't want to admit that he was in a satanic witchy cult to his wife. Mm. So he's like, well, what else would it? Oh, you know what? It's a Dutch spy ring. (laughs) (laughs) I think the spy ring was, I think that was Anna's 
supposition. I don't think the husband. Yeah, but if you make it, his account, I don't think like the husband have, said that he was a spy. Yeah, but he could have like said certain things or like it's a break. But would make her take that, make that assumption rather than then she would assume it was satanic witchcraft. Or he was getting paid to aid in the satanic practices. He was secretly an expert. That's the underhanded dealings that the man had. Exactly. Was that they were working together to get like human bones for some kind of witch, wicked recipe or something? I don't know. Like, no, that wicked term, which is like in the same yeah. way, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, maybe they're working together to run this secret cult. But <laughs> exactly. See? We've got no idea, really, no. is what this case lands on, is that we we just, we don't know. So, yeah, is there any other, like, theories or things that you picked up on that you wanted to mention before I get into the, like, where are we now section? No, I just, like, my butler okay. did it. <laughs> <laughs> it was the butler. It was clearly the Hagley Estate butler. All they had to do was focus their attention on the estate itself and they would have freaking figured it out. But no, you had to go off and be like, nope, it's the Nazis, it's the Dutch. (laughs) I don't know that anyone, like, I'm sure the police questioned it, but this is the fun fact, this is the fun thing about the police uh, reports and stuff, right? So, this, this actually transitions into the where are we at now portion of this episode relatively well not gonna lie the police reports mostly ended up being donated to the worcestershire i'm gonna say that wrong every single time worcestershire um county archives and are part of an ongoing project to catalog the archives of the west mercia police okay so how do i get in on that (laughs) project (laughs) Uh, you'd have to contact Worcestershire's County Archives. Okay. Uh, they have, like, a whole a website, and, you know, they're a whole established thing, obviously. Can I work um, remotely? <laughs> Just shit me? You'd have to contact them directly. I don't have these answers for you, hon. <laughs> well, why did you not figure that out? When you were looking at their stuff, you should have looked it up. You know what? Actually, this, uh, do I have it in the sources? I thought I maybe did, but maybe I don't. I don't think I do. I do have uh, in the sources um, the letter that Anna originally wrote to the newspaper. We have a copy of that letter, like a picture of it, and then pictures of some of the original Bella cases. Here we go. Here's the county archives. Actually, I'm going to put it in the sources as well. So if anybody else is looking for uh, a way to help with this case and you happen to be local or are able or if they're able i have no idea what they're doing with this if this is still an ongoing project or if my source was out of date i don't know some sticky stuff about the evidence pretty much i think at that point everything is sticky about evidence in this case especially seriously so professor caroline wilkinson professor of craniofacial identification at dundee university sketched a portrait of what Bella may have looked like based on photos of the skull that were taken shortly after its discovery. She also did this, like, she's, you know, like, the expert on this, right? So she is the person who knows how to do this. If anyone could do it accurately enough, it would be her. Yeah. Um, However, she couldn't use the actual skull itself, unfortunately, because apparently no one knows where the skull is. Oh, good. Yeah. So, the, like, the main, 
the one big piece of evidence that they have, right? Like this is this, I was also, you know, it also answers the question about like, so we have DNA identification now. There were hairs still attached to the skull when they found it. Are we maybe able to use that information? No, the skull is missing. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. So basically what happened, I mean, 70 years is a long time, right? So since the case, 70, what is it, like almost 80 now? Um, since the case first opened, jurisdiction lines have shifted and in the shift, moving police reports and documents from one building to another somehow along the way. Um, someone somehow misplaced one of the most important pieces of evidence in this case, the victim's actual skull. So we'll put Professor Wilkinson's sketch portrait on the Instagram. I have it, one of my sources. Um, and I have a request for our viewers here. Birmingham County is still recently as 2013, probably still now, I haven't seen any updates saying that it, this was no longer the case, but they're still open to receiving tips about this case. So while it's most likely that anyone who knew her personally has already passed on, there's always the possibility that in someone's family photo album somewhere rests a picture of Bella. Any indication of who this woman was could help piece together what happened here. So if any of you are listening from England, Germany, or Holland, and have access to family albums with pictures from sometime around 1940, somewhere in that kind of region of the world, um, please take a look at the artist sketch on our Instagram or from the sources in our notes and just flip through those pictures and see if anyone matches the description of a five foot brown haired woman between the ages of 30 ish to 45 ish um, at the time who could have possibly had a child and see if you can find her face. Maybe if enough people look, someone will find Bella eventually and a family somewhere will finally know what happened. This seems like a pipe dream, kind of feels like one. But at this point, this is the only way that this case is ever going to get solved, is if someone by sheer luck happens to have a picture of Bella. So, yeah, that's the case of Bella and the Witch Elm. Yeah. I always feel for the cold cases, especially when the freaking evidence goes missing or is mishandled. Right? Like... Like, with like Jack it, the Ripper, we could have had evidence that could mm -hmm. have been dealt with, except for the fact that it got mishandled, it got it went missing, and then was randomly found again, where it's like, now we can't trust anything we get off of this freaking piece of fabric. Right. right. Like, there, I've heard of cases that were old, cold cases, but because that case still had all the police records and because they were like public information journalists or home investigators were able to sift through um like the michelle mcnamara story the yeah. i'll be gone in the dark her whole story about um being able to use the evidence that was public information and talk to detectives and do the legwork her and a whole community of people doing the legwork and volunteering their time in her case she wrote into a novel um but like spending their time trying to solve a case that couldn't have been solved at the time with new information and new technology 
and those cases getting solved and kind of the resolution, like finally, you know, being made a possibility because of that. In this case, we have some of the reports, most of them probably, but we'll never know if we have enough to actually solve this case now. Yeah. And we could have. (laughs) And it's just like, I would like to think that we know better now and we know better to be more careful. And Ah. in some ways we are, but I am not naive enough to think that our justice system is much better. And I absolutely know that there are cases, like so many cases where evidence is mishandled and the wrong person gets convicted or the guy gets off, like gets away or, you know, like there's obviously still so much about like evidence specifically getting mishandled, but I feel like now at least we know better. So it's easier to hold someone accountable when they've mishandled evidence. Whereas back then just nobody knew. So there was no accountability because no one had that higher standard. Now we know what the higher standard is. So at the very least, when people like screw up on purpose or otherwise, then there's something that we can do about that. We can point to that and say, that's not correct. And hopefully find ways to create kind of like, like security fallbacks and like make it more and more difficult to mess this up. (laughs) Yeah. You know? No, I agree. So. So to answer the question of who put Ellen the witch, um, the butler probably, but we'll never know. Exactly. (laughs) Right, Simba, we always blame the butler. (laughs) I don't even know if Wagley Estate had a butler, to be honest. If they were a lord, they had a butler. Oh. A lord in the 40s, though. Is that yeah. still... Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Oh, yeah. Lords even now have butlers. I don't understand it's the world English, of rich people. It's <laughs> the English hierarchy. Is that still a thing? Yes. Yeah. No, I know, I know. <laughs> I can't claim to understand it, but I am aware of its existence at the very least. <laughs> I do have a butler. Her name's Simba. She does not do her job well. Simba is more of an observer. She's like a supervisor, more so than an actual butler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She'd be like the head of staff. She'd be <laughs> them all in line. She chooses who stays and who goes. Yeah. Yeah. If they didn't feed her at the right time in the morning, <laughs> then they're gone. If they tried to pet her when she didn't request it explicitly... But she would be the one to put somebody in a witch helm if she needed to. Yeah, I really feel for this woman, though. Like, I feel for, like, her family and stuff. Like, it, like if oh, she still yeah. had family at that point. Like, never knowing. Exactly. And, I mean, at that point, like, it was, it happened so much that people disappeared. Like, it's a time of major war. Like, people disappeared all the time. There were, like, bombings and you know, attacks on the home front. And it just, like, a lot of people, a lot of people had to go through that same, like, I have no idea if my person is dead or alive, right? But most people, I'm sure at the time, pretty well assumed, and maybe this is part of where Anna's perspective comes from, but I'm sure they pretty well assumed that it must be because the enemy got him would have been their default thought because it was so common and so likely. 
Yeah. Who's gonna think my person is missing? It's probably because of someone from my own country attacking us. Yeah. Right? I would say that I also would feel for the tree, but knowing the ecosystem that comes with a body... Yeah. That tree was it actually, it got a lot of nourishment. Yeah, that tree, like, ended up... Well, I mean, they had to cut down the tree to get her out. Well, then, okay, then in that case, so I that, feel bad for the tree. The tree was like, I'm thriving here. Why didn't you have to do this? I can't say the tree is on my list of sympathies for this one. I'm not going to lie. I'm actually, I'm going to send you a picture of the tree. I probably could have done this earlier, but here it is. Is this before or after it got cut down? Okay. So this is not the tree in which Bella was found, but it is a similar tree. Okay. To the one she was found in. This is a witch elm. Uh, Photographed, I think, from around that time. Interesting. My sources also have images of the skull, so incoming skull image. Uh, if anyone else wants to take a look at any of this, um, you can find it in our sources. Oh, come on. That's, a, that's actually like a really interesting, it almost is like, um, like the pictures that you would see of like an iceberg where it's like, this is what you see at the tip, and mm-hmm. this is, right, and then this is what you see underneath. Like, it almost mm-hmm. looks like the, the actual trunk of it could be like what you'd see underneath the ground usually right like that's kind of cool right like if you look up um a picture of a witch elm you can see that there's like other one of the pictures that came up had like a has like a an image of like a skeletal ish face coming out of a tree it's like a sketched image though it's not like accurate to how they found her or anything here's another more recent image of a witch elm again this is not the witch elm oh yeah this is going to be ben's history in his conversation with you he is not going to want to see this (laughs) he is a very sensitive man and i love him dearly for it because he keeps me balanced and keeps me from having nightmares so but yeah so you see how this trunk is like there's yeah. a lot of, like, things branching off of it pretty quick. This is a really, really old one. Um, the first picture is probably closer in age, theoretically. Interesting. To the tree. It's probably more similar. So, yeah, no, it's a pretty good-sized trunk, then. Yeah. Like, it's not, like... It's not exactly like it's a twig. Like, yeah, it's a pretty no. hefty base. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, like... Depending on, like, how she was stuffed in mm. and how, like, tall it was, like, her body would have shrunk down in the tree as she decomposed. So I how they found say, her may not be how she was stuffed in. Yeah, they, but it sounds like coming in from above, like, once you're in the branches looking down, you can see kind of, kind of like someone took, like, a giant drill and, like, hollowed out the inside of the tree that way. Okay. It sounds like that's the hollowed part, and she was, that's how she was put in feet first. Okay. Or, like, how she had to have been put in feet first. So, I, like, from the sounds of things, she's kind of just, like, standing in the tree is kind of the sense I got from it. Yeah. Um, I will say, search... Like, I literally just typed in witch elm, and I'm getting, like, all kinds of, like, pictures of people, like, 
theorizing about how she was positioned in the screen. Some of them are quite creepy. So viewers beware if visual imagery frightens you, just proceed with caution. Interesting. Yeah. We also have um, an image that the police, also in the sources, uh, have an image that the police drew up themselves that was part of a, a police sketch that was like, if you've seen this woman, contact us. And it has notes about like what they noticed about her. Interesting. It's, yeah. It's an old timey missing person's notice essentially. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um yeah, And I like anyway. how they call it a mock wedding ring. Yeah, that's the thing. Cause it because its value was less well, than they yeah. thought it should be. So it's a mock wedding ring. It's like, okay. Or she was poor because they described all of her clothing as being poor. Yeah. So, kind of rude, but you know. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah, so if you're interested in looking uh, at other pictures about the case and stuff, it's all going to be in the notes. Uh, or, like, you know, the links to where all the pictures are anyway is all going to be in the sources, so feel free to dig through. Minor warning for graphic imagery. A lot of them show the skull, and it's pretty gnarly. Um, if you're not already used to seeing that kind of thing, actually, I know you're not going to be bothered by it, but no, (laughs) (laughs) but just content warning for anyone, if you want to go digging in, uh, further. And so, yeah, the picture of the sketch of what her face may have looked like will be on her Instagram as well. If you don't want to go digging through the notes, um, then we'll have that up there for you too. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. And then next week we get to go into the uncanny Valley with, (laughs) gosh, I learned that there's a word for being afraid of dolls and that there's like a whole like umbrella that it fits under as far as like phobias. And that's an interesting start to my research in this, uh, on this subject. So yeah, I get to I'm go excited d- to see where this takes us. <laughs> I get to go deep into the uncanny valley with the mannequins. Oh, the and uncanny valley is I get to go into Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, because the mannequin episode in like season one, episode one. Uh, that's not season one, honey. Um, is it? No. It's, well, it's not season one, but season one of the reboot. It actually goes back further with Doctor Who than the reboot. Really? I never watched, I never got around to watching the old ones because there were too many and it felt overwhelming. Yeah, no, there's an even older one, but we get to go into that next week. Well, fine. I'm excited. Yeah. Awesome. So, until next time. Yeah, we'll see you all there. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope that you found something new and will check out the resources in the show notes to get more information. In the meantime, I would really appreciate it if you could rate and review on your favorite podcast platform so more history nerds can find me. Don't forget to check out our Instagram page at WDYKA Podcast, as well as considering helping me out with a donation or membership on Buy Me a Coffee. The link is in the show notes and on our IG link tree. Thanks so much and see you next time on the lesser known side of history.